0: Welcome back. It's Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Joining me tonight is Jake Wiscursion, all the way out in Reno, Nevada. Jake, I'm grateful to have you back on the show.
1: I'm grateful you pronounced Nevada correctly.
0: So I I think I told you this. Uh, We might even talk. I don't know if we talked about it on the air last time, but, uh, when we first uh when we first drove out there, when I because I lived out in Nevada for a while, and we first got out there we got to like a gas station that had T shirts that said it's Nevada, not Nevada. Or, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, very important that you don't put a W or an H in the middle
0: of it. Yeah, it's Nevada.
1: We get really we get our, our uh, we're really sensitive. We get our hackles up about that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> so uh I liked um, that you talked about that where the free mental health screening. I think it's so important to try to figure out what's going on and by the way, if you want to figure out what's going on and, and talk to Jake or me tonight, the number's eight six six three nine one ten twenty but you were you yep. you talked about that resource.
1: Yeah, Walk the Talk America is a part a project that I've been a part of for several months now and um, it started out of Las Vegas by a guy named Michael Sodini. Um, he's a his family's been firearms importers for a long time. He's third generation in that industry and he realized about a year and a half ago he says we we got to do something about this uh you know, people blaming the gun, people blaming mental health and nobody ever really resolving anything. So he, he formed this organization called Walk the Talk America. And he allied with um, Mental health America, which uh, mental health America is a very powerful resource if anybody's not familiar, they do a an annual ranking the states survey whereby they rank individual states on their behavioral health provision and access to care and treatment and all that and uh, they they've done some really good things for the behavioral health field but Mike's idea was to try to bridge the gap between firearms ownership culture and mental health culture because they've long stood across a kind of a self-imposed chasm, awkwardly eyeballing one another, wondering who was going to make the first move toward reconciling that. And and um, I I just happened to connect with him because a friend of mine had heard about it, so I reached out and I said, well, this is a pretty cool thing. I wonder if he'd like to be on the podcast. And I didn't know it was a he. I thought it was a they. So I emailed them, and it turns out it's basically one guy running the whole thing. They got a board of directors, and I'm, I'm proud to say I'm now on the board as the the mental health representative. But um, we had our podcast, and we went about an hour and a half. But the conversation itself went about three hours, and then we we're you know BFFs uh, thereafter. And so I've been really proud to to have you know been the one to raise this hand and clear his throat and say, oh, I'll be a part of that. And So one of the things we did recently was we did a continuing education class here in Reno for mental health practitioners who don't necessarily understand what it's like to uh, treat somebody who's a gun owner, and gun owners constitute about half of America, about 48% of Americans, according to a Pew Research poll uh, fall of 2017. Either own a firearm or live with somebody who does. So that's a significant portion of our clientele demographic. And we want to make sure that we're culturally competent and possess enough literacy in that area so that when somebody who, you know, comes into our office and, says, and expresses, you know, I, I really enjoy shooting guns, it's one of my you know, lifelong hobbies, we don't get sketched out and start, you know, wondering if they're a danger to themselves or others and can have a normal conversation about. So I saw a need and registered the course with our four behavioral health licensing boards in Nevada. That would be social work, psychology, alcohol and drug, and um, marriage and family therapy, clinical professional counseling, so that the practitioners could get their education credits for it. And what we saw, we had 14 people register for the class, and it went over very, very well. Everybody grew in their knowledge of what firms culture is about. It's not just what you see on the media. And um, And then the flip side of that coin is we realized that Gun owners are scared of counseling for a variety of reasons that are often illegitimate because of you know certain policies and whatnot. They don't want their their guns taken away, you know, just for seeking mental health care. But then what we discovered beyond that was that there's a lot of other demographics out there who are equally afraid to come in and get mental health care because they are worried about their uh, standing in a certain community. So, for example, law enforcement. Uh, it's not a real popular thing to go and admit that you're struggling with a mental illness because it may impact your career. Similarly with emergency medicine doctors or physicians broadly, um, airline pilots struggle with this, military personnel, anybody with a government security clearance. So it's not just gun owners that are struggling with this stigma, and it's keeping them from getting care. And the, and the really important factor in all this is that, well, it's nice to get people mentally well, what we 're seeing is an uptick in suicides across the country across demographics and uh, largely suicides by firearms. So the firearms community and the mental health community is starting to come together through this walk the talk america foundation and it's been very, very encouraging to see the outpouring of support from across the country and A big part of that is this uh, this mental health screening that we do for free through the website and um, i 'm going to pause there because I 've been talking for a while, but I do have a really cool anecdote to share. About how it's helped uh, several people, but one in particular. So I just want to get your feedback
0: on that. No, I think it's awesome. It's fantastic. I think something you said that makes so much sense is if we're going to work with someone, we want to know what the, as much as we, be culturally competent. So in other words, and I I think that's so true with every, all of us. We all have differing opinions, thoughts, and all that kind of stuff. And if we really want to get to help somebody, we have to get to know them. We have to understand their side and their perspective. Um, so I yeah. love that. I love that you're doing that. Um, and we'll definitely come back. I want to hear. I want to hear that anecdote. And but that, I'm going to give that website for you again. It was wtta.org.
1: Correct. Yeah. Walkthetalkamerica.org.
0: And it's wonderful to start getting this kind of information out. Um, tell us and no, let me. We'll come back. We're going to come back to that. We, coming up. Jake's going to be here the rest of the hour here with me. 866-391-1020 is the number. And feel free to also send us an email if you want to the dollar bank instant access at kdkradio.com. We will get to some of the emails that have been sent uh, tonight. And, but we're looking forward to hearing from you. 866-391-1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. My guest is Jake Wiskersh. this is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. I always get excited, Jake, when the music kicks in. I just get fired up. I love it.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. It means we're back. We're going to talk about some cool stuff. Help people.
0: Exactly. 866-391-1020 is a number if you want to be a part of the show. Um, I want to get to, well, you wanted to give, um, you had an anecdote you wanted to tell.
1: Oh yeah, about the screenings, yeah. So so I was working with somebody recently who uh was in for some uh some anxiety stuff and um and this person was uh you know, we were we were clicking pretty well and said she said, uh well, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and I listened to that uh interview that you had with that Michael Sedini guy and Mike Mike's the guy with Walk the Talk America and she said you you said you had a free mental health screening, so I went on and took the screening and it came back as, uh, as a, I don't know, some number, it's like 27 or something on the depression scale, which is, which is really high. And she says, so I think your, I think your survey's wrong. I think your, I think your screening's wrong. I said, oh, okay, uh, tell me why. She says, well, I'm not depressed. And I said, alright, tell me, tell me more. She says, well, at least I thought I wasn't depressed. And then I went to my friend and shared the results and the friend said, well, yeah, we all know that about you. <laughs> and she says, I think you should tell your therapist. So she comes back and she she shares that with me and I said, man, I'm really proud of you for being strong enough and courageous enough to to go into that you know deep dark spot that you you thought wasn't a problem and acknowledge maybe it is. And then uh and then I broke out the book for her, the book that we all use to to diagnose uh, you know illnesses. And uh, we went through the criteria together for what de- what depression is. And and she goes, yep, yep, I hit all those, yep. Absolutely. So I guess the screening tool actually is accurate and we had a good laugh about it and then and then we moved forward and she's doing really well now. But it was it was just out of curiosity that she took the the screening and it came back as uh something she didn't she didn't recognize and uh that informed our care which was really really powerful.
0: Well that's an important piece to what screening uh why there are instruments to screen so that we can start to learn, you know, get an insight. And and like you said, sometimes everyone around people can see What's going on? But sometimes it's hard for us to see our own stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, clinically, we we try to avoid jargon and lingo unless we're going to define it. But clinically, we would call that a blind spot, and a blind spot is just an area in our in our consciousness uh, that we don't we're not aware of. So basically, it's it's an area in our unconscious, but it's something that other people can see in us, and that's really important. So. There's an old adage that says, you know, if you if you meet somebody in the in the course of a day who's a jerk, you know, you probably met a jerk. But if you meet, you know, five people in the course of a day who, and they're all jerks, the jerk is probably you. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's an, an a way of identifying a blind spot as well. It's like, you know, if you start saying phrases like, "Oh, everybody, blah blah blah," and they all blah blah blah, it's, well, maybe it's not everybody. Maybe it's maybe it's you.
0: Right, right, right. I talk a lot about that. Uh, when I consult with people about learning how to accurately define your world. So instead of saying everybody does this or they always do that, just be specific, be specific and be accurate. And that really changes things. Instead of nobody listens to me, I tried to say something to two people earlier and they were doing something else and weren't really paying attention. That's a big difference than nobody ever listens to me. Uh, it's
1: huge and it, and it shifts and it shifts your your power too right so like in our world we talk about locus of control whether it's the world doing something to you or you responding to it so if you say well there are these two people who didn't listen to me now all of a sudden i get to take responsibility for not only accurately conceptualizing what happened but then doing something about it maybe i need to change my own communication style to help them listen to me you know
0: and that, well that's that's it i think to, to me, that's the key, and I, I'm, t- I'm hopefully to introduce that in this walking through anger book that I have coming out. But that's what, when with yield theory, it's about constantly looking inward and saying, what am I contributing? Because I, I argue that we are a part of every interaction that we have. We're a part of it. We play a role. I uh, think about like characters, like a uh, chess pieces on a on a chess board. Like each plays a role not bad or good or bad, right or wrong, it's just a role. And so if you can figure out what role you play, then you can change that. And like you said, if someone's, if you're not communicating, people aren't getting it, well, maybe if you're open to looking at yourself, you'll go, well, maybe there's something I'm doing that's shutting that person down.
1: Yeah, it takes a a great deal of strength of character to be able to do that, too, because what it means is you have to let go of what you think you know, which is that perceived certainty, which makes us all really comfortable and confident. And let go of that to receive new information that may highlight areas that you're not aware of, and or the areas where you may be wrong. And that that's scary, man. That's that's some scary stuff to let go of what you think you know and grow and evolve. But that's how growth and evolution happens.
0: When you let go of who you think you are, you can become who you will be. Lao Tzu. That's
1: good. Who's that? Was there attribution there?
0: Yeah, Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. Um, yeah, I paraphrased um, my, yeah, that's uh, good. I, I know that Kaya would hear that and she would say, no, it's exactly this way. <laughs> she, she knows it <laughs> better than I do. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so true. So I want to go, we have an email and I want to get to this. It says, um, this is from Marissa. Marissa says, I need your help. I'm desperate because my partner is a really good person, but he explodes in anger when things don't go how he expects He starts screaming until he gets red, and I'm the closest person, so he puts his anger on me. How can I tell him that he needs help without upsetting him? He really needs help because he's going to end up alone. I'm about to give up, but I don't want to because I love him and I'm worried about him. Please help. Marissa. Marissa, thank you so much for your email. This is um, a really important question and is why I wanted to make sure that that we had time to talk about it. I think that, I'm guessing that, he, your partner doesn't know, it doesn't recognize how upset he gets, and the, when in the midst of this is my short, right to the point answer. In the midst of anger is not the time to tell people all the things they need to work on or what they need to fix. When there's not anger, when that's that's the time when most people say, "Well, I don't want to bring it up because everything's going okay right now." Well, it's just okay. You're kind of walking on eggshells, but. I would bring it up when he's calm, when he's in a regular state, and I would say to him exactly what you said in this email, and I would say, I wish I could find a way to say this to you and have it not be upsetting to you, but it's a reality, and I love you, and I care about you, so I I don't want you to end up alone. I want to be with you, but here's the reality. If you continue to do this, I cannot stay around for this, because Marissa, I love that you're setting a limit for yourself, and you're setting boundaries, because you shouldn't have to be in a spot I would prefer you not be in a spot um, that could lead to something that could be very dangerous for you
1: Yeah, and and sometimes to your point about the the email writing is often a a, a way to circumvent that fight or flight response if you can write something down it might be received better than speaking it Um, for for one precision uh, because you can write more precisely than you talk especially when it's a sensitive subject and and emotions are high But also, I want to point out, and I want to be very sensitive about this, uh, so that I don't conflate tolerating domestic violence with um, being in a spot where where you can receive somebody's negative energy uh, appropriately. So, uh, what I'm about to say is, earlier in the show, we talked about ways that people offload their anger, or I'm sorry, energy, and ways ways that energy can. Can move. So one is a cathexis, which is stuck energy. One is a catharsis, which is a release of energy. One is sublimation, which is a channeling of energy. And sometimes the catharsis, the the release, is not a good release. Sometimes it's involved, you know, with uh, you know yelling and screaming at at the lake and um, you know crying out to God and that kind of thing. And that's that's a good, healthy release. But sometimes there's an unhealthy release called a displacement. And a displacement. Is not a channeling into like when you channel angry energy into weightlifting. It's a displacement onto when you yell and scream at somebody, or you you come home and you and you you, ver, you launch into a verbal tirade. And in my experience, if you're not the one who caused that, meaning you, you didn't purposely push some of these buttons, and you're being displaced upon, what it really means is that person believes that they have nowhere else to go with that energy, and they're dumping it on you because what they really believe is that you're able to take it and it's actually quite an honor to be in that position. Now, again, I don't want to conflate this with domestic violence. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Sometimes people just explode, and it's totally inappropriate. Other times they just don't know how to put it somewhere else, and obviously it's up to you to determine where that line is. Um, but but sometimes if that's the case, and they, and they truly trust you with, it, with unloading their anger or their energy, um, that's a really cool opportunity to leverage that that position and say, Hey, I really want to get you some help. Um, I'm kind of tired of taking this for you. <laughs> I don't mind taking it, but, but it's getting a little old, you know? Um, so, so maybe look at that too.
0: Well, and I, I, I think I definitely would emphasize your point that it's not, um, that it's, I would, you know, if you, if it gets dangerous, it's more important to, um, to get out and to get safe Please. first. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just because, uh, it, we see that erupt so much though. I definitely, definitely, um, hear that about being you know you obviously trust her to be able to get it out but that's not we want to make sure you're safe marissa um 100 and i think that you you say it you say what you want to say but you do it in a way either like jake said where you're writing it down um you have time to think about it or when he's not as upset or you know when he's it's you're not talking about anything emotional and you're bringing it to him like look this is where we are like at some point this conversation has to take place but i would honestly just Say, these are the words I want to say, but I'm concerned if I say these, this might happen, but I might just soften it by saying something like that. Like, I would love to say this, uh, my hope is that you don't explode, but that's the point. I don't want to have to have a conversation with you worrying about whether or not you're going to explode if I bring up certain words. Because that's not okay. But I really, listen Marissa, this is important. So if you could talk to somebody in your area, that would be absolutely ideal. We got a whole lot more coming up with Jake Wisconsin. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conte. Joining me tonight is Jake Wiscursion, all the way out in Reno, Nevada, but by the miracle of modern technology. He sounds like he's right here.
1: I am. I'm really right there.
0: So, it's interesting because I get different emails uh, to different places, whether it's to my website or YouTube channel or here at KDKA, um, and sometimes people, I think... Aren't necessarily asking a question as much as expressing an opinion or telling me something that happened with them. But Steve wrote, "I'm angry because I can't find a job. I'm so mad, through a brick." Now we didn't get anything else from that. So Steve, I appreciate uh, I appreciate that, but I'm not. I'm guessing that now you don't have a job, and whatever you hit with the brick probably didn't end up too well for that either.
1: I hope it wasn't a person or an animal, at least.
0: Right. Um, I, but here's the point. What, sometimes when people are struggling, and this is why, this is why I think emotional management is so important. When we're struggling, we often don't know what to do with that emotions. So you can find people who, are, uh, are extremely effective in everyday life, but all of a sudden when you're hit with a flood of emotions, like, what do I do? I know I'm gonna email an anger management specialist and tell him I throw a brick. Um I would love to hear more about it. Or what can I do around it? But I think that's the point. The point is when people are angry, they say something that's you know they lash out. They'll say something impulsive, and unless you really learn how to handle that, that cycle perpetuates.
1: You know, I, I, as much as <laughs> as much as we might want to poke fun at the idea of throwing a brick, which does in itself as a phrase have some pretty good comedic chops. um... <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing myself just getting mad and throwing a brick, and then just kind of sitting there watching the brick, uh, not move, but no. not eight feet away from me. Right. Um, I, I think what, what I'm hearing is, yeah, there's there's that frustration of not knowing what to do. So you just pick up a pick up an object and throw it right because you got to channel that energy somewhere, and and then and then that feels good for a moment because it's temporary and it, and it gives you some sense of something. But what I'm hearing with the email is is like it's like a cry for help that doesn't know how to be stated, right? And and I think that's what happens is when when we get into limbic mode, which is where our emotions come from, the limbic part of the brain, uh, logic diminishes. And I'm sure you've covered this. I know I have a zillion times. Um, you can't be in one and the other simultaneously. You're either in reason and you're acting, you know, with rational thought and good. Cognition, or you're in emotion, and emotions are running high, and uh, not a lot of reason is operating. So if you're in emotion and you're angry, and you throw the brick, and it's only temporarily uh, satisfying, you go right back into that emotion again, and then you, you're still not satisfied. So you fire off an email, but the email's sort of incoherent too, because because well, logic isn't working; it's the wrong part of the brain. And so I think that as I'm hearing this this guy, he's he's really reaching out. He's like, somebody help me. Somebody help me because, because he knows deep down it's not appropriate to, to throw bricks when he's angry. Um, and simultaneously, he doesn't know quite how to express that.
0: And I think how that's do you yeah. Work with folks like that? yeah, and I think that's a, I, like you said, I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's a, it's a saying. I would love to get help. I'm not sure even what to ask or how to ask it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. So you talked about baseball. You just won a championship in baseball. Um, mm-hmm. we, that's awesome. Congratulations. I wanted you to be able to say that on the air, yeah, um, that you yeah, won a championship. Yeah,
1: I won a championship in baseball. I am champion. fantastic.
0: I love it. So, um, I, so I played baseball growing up, played baseball in college, and I played center field, and if a line drive was hit directly at me, instead of running in toward it really quickly or running back really quickly, we were taught to just drop our energy. So you kind of just drop your body weight uh momentarily to make the judgment on whether you're going to go in or stay back or whatever. Um I've used that metaphor in life for situations. So I do this a lot in the prison. If there's a situation that escalates and I get over to that situation right away, I think, okay, let me drop my energy and make sure I assess what's going on before I'm just reactive. But I think when, when we're scared, when we're angry, when we're hurting, sometimes we're just reactive. And I really do believe, um, someone, I did an interview the other day and was asking me for tips on anger. And when I talked about one of my tips, she was thinking, Oh, I was thinking more like just count to ten type stuff. And I said, listen, I don't teach count to ten because if you deal with seething rage, you could really do some damage. Um, Mm -hmm. if you have seething rage and you count to 10, you're making it so much worse. Um, but if you are able to, so yeah, it's important. There are different ways to deal with it, but the main thing I would say is you have to be able to step back and recognize there's a beginning, middle and end. You described it as that wave. It's going to, it's going to pass. So the question is, do you really want to make that really poor decision in that middle section? Like you said, or can you wait, ride it out?
1: Yeah, a lot of that takes practice, too. Um, so simply being aware that you're in emotion is a habit that needs work. And like you said, you are taught to drop your energy. Well, somebody has to teach somebody else what their emotions are, when they happen, where they feel them in their body. That has to be taught. That has to be coached. And then it has to be rehearsed. So it's not just like you can watch a video or listen to a podcast and get I God bless them if they could. I wish that were the case because then all this information that we're out in the public would just magically cure people with one shot. But that's not how it works. You do have to practice it. You have to work at it. And the real key that undergirds all this, commitment. you got to not only recognize there's an issue, but then you you got to take some knowledge, integrate it in, and commit over and over and over and over again. Forever, really. Because uh, if you're practicing something that works, you just keep doing it. And then you just keep, getting infinitely better. So uh, for people who are struggling out there and, and you don't know why or how, start somewhere with a conversation. And that, and that in and of itself means you got to drop your guard a little bit and, and admit that you need some help, uh, even if it's with a best friend over a beer. It doesn't have to be professional psychotherapy. Um, just just start somewhere and say, look, I don't even know how to form the words. Um, and probably that, that trusted person you go to is going to know it anyway because they've been around you enough. You trust them. They'll probably give you some pretty accurate feedback because they're, they're seeing what you're seeing.
0: I agree. And I, I, so I tell people if you are, um, if you're really angry or you find yourself angry a lot, the biggest thing to work on is impulse control. So even take it mm-hmm. out of emotions and take it out of anger and just take it into impulse. If you have an impulse to do something, try to stretch that out a little longer because the more you can practice impulse control, the better chance you're going to have when those mm-hmm. emotions arise. And like you said, this is really important for, for everybody to hear. It does take practice. It's one thing to say, well, I know how to throw a punch or I know how to throw a kick, but that doesn't make you Bruce Lee. That just means you have an idea of how to throw a punch or a kick. And even if you're a trained professional fighter, if you haven't fought for years, you got to get back into it. You can't just pick up where you left off. So,
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So that's why with mental health, like absolutely, I, I'm i with you. I'm a 1,000% behind your statement. This is a lifelong process. So align your expectations with the reality and, your entire life, of course, you're going to be say, growing.
1: Yeah, and I would say not only do you have to practice it continually, um, there's there's an idea that. that you can practice something, master it fully, and then, you know, of course, you, like you touched on, you walk away and then it, it gets a little rusty, right? But you also have to practice in the environment that you plan to deploy the skill. Mm-hmm. So learning how to throw a punch on a bag is not nearly the same thing as throwing a punch in a ring when somebody else is trying to punch you. Right, right. So you got to practice in the same arena. And, and, again, if you're hearing this and you're maybe struggling with substance abuse and you're in recovery for a long time, I'm not saying you've, you've mastered your skill now go practice it in a bar. Don't right, do right, that. Right, 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 <laughs> um, That's not Necessary we don't need to invite in temptation that's going to throw us off completely but if you're if you're trying to practice impulse control start with something small. I know you taught me and I use this and you use it. If you want to practice impulse control, think of any time you have an itch and just don't scratch it. That's a great way to practice impulse control and then you can work on up. Me, i have, I still the age of 41 years old. I have an impulse issue with every time I see a soda fountain with the levers on it, I want to just put my finger on them and like run them and click, 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 and watch the cascade of different colors of soda. But I also know that that that's, that's going to get me kicked out of the 7-Eleven or whatever, and probably embarrass my wife and my kids. So, so I override <laughs> that impulse, uh and and I don't do that. That's a safe way to practice impulse controls. Go into some place where you know it's, it's fairly mundane, and you're not likely to be tempted to you know do something that will get you arrested, and override that. And the more the more you can general, we call that generalizing to the the environment, the more often you can do that, then the easier it is to overcome the impulses to do the. The super naughty things that you that will really get you into trouble.
0: Well, and the key is, and I believe the key is, you 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 actively and intentionally practice that. So if you're walking into that 7-Eleven saying, mm-hmm. "I'm going to imagine that I'm going to do something that I'm not going to do," and it's and it's not really a temptation for you, that's a great place to start. Like you said, you want to start with things that aren't really going to tempt you that much, um, but mm-hmm. you're proactive. I, I always. To how people do this either on the road, when they're driving, if they struggle with anger in the car, road rage, that type of stuff, or in a supermarket. If you're waiting in line, you have to wait, you have to wait in line for something. that maybe pushes you back a little farther than what you wanted to be. But there, if you proactively practice it, you have a much better chance to master it. Um, and if you want to practice calling us, it's 866-391-1020. Uh, Jake is with us through the rest of this show. He's Jake Wisconsin. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. So with me tonight is Jake Wisconsin. He's a marriage and family therapist out in Reno, Nevada. And Jake, I'm so grateful to have you on again. Uh, I love having you on the show.
1: Thanks. I really enjoy being here. And something that I say frequently on my own uh, podcast, and then in the various circles in which I run around here, is uh, I I really like this kind of format because the information we have in our heads doesn't do anybody any good if it's locked up inside it. You know, we we need to get this stuff out there. And um, the the tagline on my company is innovative and philanthropic mental health practice, and the philanthropic part I take very, very seriously. Um, I want to give as much away for free as possible because I just want a a healthy society, you know, like I don't, I don't care if I have to go swing a hammer, or you know, throw up drywall for a living just to pay my, my mortgage. If, if I'm living in a healthy community, man, that's, that's its own reward.
0: It's a beautiful thing for sure. So listen, I want to get to, I want to do another email before we, um, go because Robert asked a great question and, and this is a little bit more getting to it with anger he says, Hi Dr. Conti, I have a major anger I have major anger issues and I am trying to understand how to handle myself when I'm very angry. Do you have any ideas on how I can control myself when I'm angry? So there they're like Robert, first of all, I mean and again, even with Steve, like there's just when you're angry, you're angry. And it's awesome that you are looking at information and reaching out and trying to get you know, ways to deal with this stuff. I and mean, that's why I think you hear it in Jake's voice, why he's so passionate, why I'm so passionate. We want to get this information out. Um, so this is a great question. So what do you do when you're angry? So, Robert, I think that the my experience um, is that when you really want to deal with anger, you don't have to wait until it's there. So if you were going to train for a boxing match, Robert, you wouldn't wait till the day of the match to start training. You'd want to train ahead of time. Um, and the same is true with anger. If you can start work practicing this stuff, like Jake was talking about with being proactive, think about scenarios, run through them intentionally, but with a different mindset. And the more you can practice that, the better you get at it. So A, I, I'll always advocate practice all the time, not just when you're angry. But B, if you are only remembering this call the next time you're angry, then, the main piece, if I could only give you one piece of information, it is I promise you that there will be a beginning, a middle, and an end to any emotional experience you ever have. My
1: piggyback on that is, and i'm going to play devils advocate here is that sometimes people say i don't believe that i'm always in anger and um and they don't they don't maybe have perspective or, or the um or the history to say that it ends right so to those folks who are struggling like in what seems like perpetual anger, um, I offer this, and there's an idea out there that suggests that emo- some emotions are primary and some emotions are secondary, meaning there's an order in which they fall, so the environment throws a stimulus at you, and then your brain says something, and if you're not good at tolerating the thing that it threw at you, uh, you may reach for something like anger or contempt to mask it over, and so what you want to do is try to figure out what the primary thing is so let's take for example road rage road rage when you're driving down the street and you know 70 miles an hour in a car and somebody else cuts you off and uh slams on the brakes i ask you know i do this in groups all the time i ask what's what's the first thing you feel and everybody goes pissed and and i go no you should feel scared and uh the reason for that is because you're traveling 70 miles an hour, and a 4,000-pound automobile, right. and some other 5,000-pound automobile cuts you off, right. and there's a threat present. There's a real danger there, and so the adaptive function of that emotion of fear is to tell you, you know, act, get out of the way. But here's the thing. If you're raised in a household uh, where tolerating emotions wasn't popular or just wasn't taught at all, then you might feel some more vulnerable emotion like fear or sadness or shame, and Instead of tolerating that because it pushes you out of control and maybe you got mocked for it or, you know, maybe you just, I mean, dudes have it a little bit rougher, I think, just because we get the, you know, boys don't cry stuff thrown at us, then what you do is you reach for something like anger. Because it gives your brain an opportunity to feel something. Even though it's not the right thing, you feel something. And you go, all right, I'm a little satisfied now. The problem is it leaves your brain unsatisfied because it's not accurate. So um, my invitation to you would be to dig in and try to figure out what's beneath the anger. If it's always rolling, always boiling, always present, then there's probably something else beneath it that's feeling it that you're not attending to like sadness or like guilt or, or like uh, like fear perhaps
0: yes and i think uh, i like the phrase of not attending to because if when people say they're angry all the time i would say i would not i would challenge that like are you really angry all the time and the first thought when you're in the middle of being angry is yes all the time um did you sleep last night oh yes i slept 8 hours okay were you angry while you were sleeping no it's, you're not yeah, angry yeah, yeah, yeah right? <laughs> you weren't angry when you woke up so what it's it's when you start to pay attention to your thoughts that you notice that they center on anger. And I thought about this this morning. I kind of had this visual of what if every morning when you woke up, you went to, let's say you had a big screen or a bunch of different things, a volcano, a picture of a volcano, a picture of a calm lake, a picture of different places, and you actively chose this is the narrative I'm going to choose for myself today. So am I going to choose to be angry today? Am I going to choose to look for peace at every turn today? And you actively choose that. I bet that would set out your day to be a little bit more intentional.
1: Yeah, and one last thing the last 30 seconds here. Um, just simply doing the exercise of noticing and observing pulls you from limbic into logic and therefore it diminishes whatever emotion you're feeling anyway so noticing that you're in anger and then noticing that you have a choice over that to choose something different can in itself just be a a great valuable exercise
0: i love it i appreciate having you on jake thanks for coming back on the show
1: yeah thanks for having me it's always a good time i miss you greatly we need to spend a weekend together here shortly shoot some hoops or something
0: I'm telling you. Well, I appreciate you so much, and thank you for taking the time for us here. I know everybody in Pittsburgh appreciates it, too, coming all the way, um, talking to us all the way from Reno. So thank you so much, Jake.
1: Thank you, Western PA. Love you all. Can't wait to visit you again.
0: All right, buddy. We are... Every every week we'll be here and we are here to talk about whatever's going on with you in your life. We all deal with issues, all of us. We all struggle at times. We all have moments where we're really not sure what to do and we feel lost. That's why this show is done. That's why we do this show to bring you some sense of how to handle some of that direction. So every week we'll be here, 866-391-1020 is the number and I'd always like to hear from you. I try to end my videos with my YouTube videos and when I can the show with, um, being able to send you as much peace as possible, because I believe that's really what the goal for all of us is, is to find peace. So I appreciate you listening. I feel very grateful that you tuned in until next time. As always, I wish you much peace.